We're bringing you all you need to succeed in the real estate business. It's Spilling the LT, brought to you by Lawyer's Title, telling you what it's really like to work in real estate. Welcome back to Spilling the LT. My name is Lisa Shulgin, and I am one of the attorneys and director of education for Lawyer's Title, and I'm so glad that y'all are here with us today, and I'm so glad that y'all are here with us today. Um, Jennifer, I wanted to throw it over to you to introduce yourself and let us know who you brought with you today. Hello, everybody. My name is Jennifer Chandler, and I work for Lawyer's Title in the Fort Worth office. And I've got Josh Marriott over here. He's a realtor. We met a couple of months ago, and um, we had a very interesting conversation. I thought the way he balanced work and home was really fascinating, so I thought he'd be a good person to interview for the podcast. Thanks, Jennifer. So, you're welcome. So just first tell me a little bit about your background, how you got into real estate. Sure. So um, I got started in 2013 in a small town called Lake Jackson. And uh, in Lake Jackson, the internet wasn't that big. And so there's a lot of old school agents, and I came in as the young tech savvy agent. And so I was able to dominate that um, internet side of things, you know, playing with internet leads, finding uh, nit my niche uh, of agents that I could learn from. And I just kind of uh, worked that small town until I got to the point where I was too busy to handle it, and I decided to move to a, a bigger town or the homes cost more. And so that brings me to the DFW. Awesome. Now, is Lake Jackson in, in Texas? Yeah, it's about an hour south of Houston. Gotcha, uh, gotcha. Not in the ocean, but along the coast. Is that where you, <laughs> is that where you grew up? No, kind of moved there randomly. I, I grew up all over the world and um, went to college at University of Texas, where I met my wife. She got a job offer upon graduation in Lake Jackson. And I said, let's go. Let's see what happens. That's I awesome. started studying for my real estate license and started there. Um, stayed there for about a year and a half. What made you want to get into real estate in the first place? Um, so when I was in college, I wanted to buy a home. And um, long story short, I was a realtor's nightmare. I probably had <laughs> five agents. I, had, uh, I was a bartender, so I had no tax returns. Uh, but they all showed me homes. And I found this home I wanted to buy. Uh, ended up finding this home on auction. I could not buy it. I could not get a loan. Um, but I was lucky enough to be able to ask my dad for some money. And he bought the home, and I ended up flipping it. And I saw how much money the agent made. Uh -huh. And I didn't think she did much work uh, to do that. Um, needless to say, that's not exactly the truth. Um, but it, that was what got me started thinking about it. She made you know, $50,000. I made $50,000. And I sweat. And she didn't. That got me looking at it. Well, it is a great area to be in business. So one thing that we talked about, you told me a little bit about how you have some systems in place so that you can balance your work and your family life because you have two young girls two and six I think you just said and you, I thought it was just fascinating how you, you told me like you don't work weekends you you um, only represent mostly to the most extent that you can sellers as opposed to buyers so tell me a little bit about the systems that you put in place so that yeah. you can balance that so it all starts with leverage um, so from the very beginning I was looking at how to leverage technology and then eventually how to leverage people um, so with technology it started with a, a CRM I tried every CRM out there until I found um, one that I liked, got really good at it. Eventually I changed CRMs throughout the years, but um, software and technology allowed me to spend less time and accomplish more. And then eventually I started leveraging people. Um, so every business leverages people, every brokerage leverages agents, that's people leverage. And so I hired people to work for me on my team, you know, license assistant, other agents, and then eventually I started hiring showing assistants. Um, so an agent can, you know, go sell a home for you and take 
you know, a chunk of the commission, uh, or you can hire a showing assistant who's happy to go unlock doors for a a la carte fee, and then you still represent the client and you get the full commission. So that allowed me to make more money and not have to show homes all of a sudden. So now I'm no longer showing homes for the buyers, and then I started focusing more on the sellers, uh, because sellers take less energy, less time um, for the same paycheck. Um, But then I worked with a a mother-son agent one time, and their phone turned off at 6 p.m. and did not operate on Sundays. And I thought that was amazing. And so I one-upped them, and I don't work after five or, or the weekends. Well, and I'm sure having two young kids at home, your kids, your wife, your family, they probably really appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. When I started doing that, my wife was 100% on board, and she actually started getting borderline mad at me if I was working after hours. You know, she's like, you told me you don't work after five, and every once in a while I would do something, because for my actual clients, I would still answer the phone, um, but if they weren't an actual client, um, then they probably wouldn't get an answer, but I would still work a little bit outside those hours. So how do you set those expectations with your clients that, so, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my time yeah, in the so evening? It's actually mutually beneficial. So when I started focusing on sellers, uh, you just explain to them how it's mutually beneficial. So for example, let's say you want to sell your home. Um, so we list on Thursdays. And the reason I list on Thursdays is one, it gives me time to get photos to the beginning of the week. And then we go on the market on Thursday. By going to the market on Thursday, it starts to populate to all the websites. Friday allows people to look at the home all weekend long, and then on Monday we reevaluate the offers. The biggest tactic on the seller side is the stall. By having a built-in stall in my time, we're stalling automatically. The whole weekend is stalled, and we go on the market right before the weekend hits. So I have this built-in stall that allows more offers to come in in a hot market like this. That's what you want. You want as many offers as possible. And you won't be stressed out by having to respond to these offers immediately. How do you how do you let the realtor on the other end know? Oh, <laughs> I mean, I know that you yeah. have you so have in MLS, your mind on the MLS it states uh, in private remarks um, that uh, the listing agent uh, will not work after five or on the weekends. If the offer comes in after five uh, on a Friday, the, the response will be on Monday. Interesting. It is interesting, and that really does allow you to balance the work and family. Well, and I think we all get in this, I mean, I almost think of it as a routine that we think, okay, because we have our phones and our computers and everything with us all the time, that we can just respond and, you know, all the time. And we don't ever set those boundaries with people. So I love that you say it up front, um, you know, this is how I operate. It's a professional way of doing business. And I find agents that are willing to work 24-7 aren't as professional. If you're coming out swinging on a Sunday, what's the point? You go under contract on a Sunday, title's closed. The lending's closed. Why? Why, why? why spend this effort and time away from your family on a day that doesn't need to be worked? Now, now I can understand the buying side, which is why I focus on sellers, and which is why we utilize showing assistance to work the buy side. So somebody is probably going to work on the weekends. Um, that's just inevitable. How did you go about Finding the listings and just and, and tapering your your activity to sellers as opposed to buyers. How do you get? How did you get there? So what you focus on expands, and when you start focusing on something, uh, you get better at it. So for example, sellers. I just looked at every way you can get sellers versus buyers, and what works and what doesn't work. Um, so what works for me may not work for everybody, and um, 
you know, we focus on for sale by owners. Um, those are sellers raising their hand that say, I don't know how to sell my home, uh, but I want to sell it. And so you give them a call. Expires, uh, same thing. They're a seller that wants to sell their home. They had a bad experience with the past agent for whatever reason. Uh, they want to sell the property. Uh, you can do advertisements that are just towards sellers. So the, the more you just focus on sellers, the more likely you are to get seller clients. Uh, and if you treat sellers well, then you get more sellers. Good. Something else we talked about when we met for lunch is that you told me kind of your tactics, I don't know if that's the right word, but um, in negotiating. Um, you told me how somebody, you had a house put up for sale for, I think it was for $4 million, and somebody offered 3.5, whatever, and you said, and you got them to four. I mean, how do you, tell me a little bit about that. So every negotiation is different. So when we negotiate, it's not technically me negotiating because I can't speak for my client, but I can advise them. And so in every situation we take, we look at what's happening and what we have on the table. If it's you know, a hot property and the buyer wants to buy it, they're going to buy it. Um, sometimes they might want to try to get a deal or feel like they're getting a deal, and that's just um, unnecessary in today's market. If, if they want to buy the home, you pay what's being asked for the home, um, if you're lucky. You know, otherwise, it's going to be more. <laughs> right. And so, um, and then that comes to, you know, you have the very common highest and best negotiation strategy. And I'll explain to my clients, this is a negotiation strategy, although I don't like employing it because I don't think it will get you the highest amount of money. Now, there's a downside to doing the opposite, which a lot of agents will not shop the, the contract for whatever reason. That's an old school mentality. There's new companies out there that 100% shop the can contract, they put it on paper for everyone to see, this is the best offer, can you beat it? This is the best offer, can you beat it? The problem with doing that, I found, is that if you get someone too high, they get cold feet and they back out. So there's a real edge you have to tread, a fine line of how high can you bring the contract without the buyer feeling that they got a bad deal. We still sometimes do highest and best, but sometimes we'll, we'll literally auction it. I know you use social media a lot. I know that you created an app. Tell us about the yeah. app that you created. So I did create an app. So I think that's fascinating. Yeah. So I created an app called ShowAid. Uh, it's on oh, the what's it called again? ShowAid. ShowAid, okay. S-H-O-W-A-I-D-E. Okay. Um, it's like Uber for showing assistance. Um, so I was big on technology, always looking to find software that could do what I was trying to do better and faster. And um, I was hiring showing assistants, and I was doing it um, the old-fashioned way. I'd post on Facebook. I'd call agents I know, just try to find somebody. Hey, can someone come unlock a door or two doors at this place, this time? And it would get frustrating because if I couldn't find someone, I would have to figure out a way to do it or, or tell the client that I can't do it for whatever reason. Um, and then eventually my office at the time implemented their own showing assistant service, which I thought was a great step in the right direction, but it also had problems because it was antiquated. They were using text messaging and emails and it, was, um, it didn't happen. If you asked for a showing assistant, you wouldn't find out for hours if one was assigned. So I, um, my COVID project was to create an app. I never created an app before. I hired developers. I learned everything about app creation. And um, now it's live. I have um, hundreds of showing assistants. Uh, in DFW alone, I have over 100. I have close to 100 in every major Texas um, metroplex. And so now, instead of taking hours or never occurring, usually those jobs get picked up in minutes. So explain, like, if I wanted to... So if you wanted to hire a showing assistant, right. let's say you are in Dallas and you need to show a home in Fort Worth. Maybe there's three homes you need to show in Fort Worth. You just go on ShowAid and you hire. You just put in the date, the time, your client's information, the location of the properties, and you pay via credit card. 
and it will go out to the world of the showing assistants, and the first person to pick it up is the assigned agent. And they have to sign all sorts of documents saying they won't steal your clients, and um, so there's added level of protection on top of hopefully you have a buyer's rep. Gotcha. So the showing aid, they just get a flat fee. They don't get Correct. a percent of the commission. They don't get any of the commission. They're just going to get a flat fee a la carte to go unlock the doors for your clients. They can't give them advice. Um, they can give them information off them less. Uh, so you're still their agent. And can you, if you find someone that you like or that your clients particularly liked, can you like reuse? Yeah. We're working on that. It's an added, um, that's been a request. People have had good experience with some showing assistants, so they want to use them over and over again. So there's a workaround we're using, and I'm working on adding that functionality into the app. Um, but I've learned that any change to the app takes time. Right. If you thought real estate was slow and frustrating, creating an app is on another level. When you <laughs> find an issue, you have to problem solve how to fix the issue and then code that solve and then find the bugs that you just created, get rid of those bugs, and then there's the delay of getting it on the store itself. Wow. <laughs> very, <laughs> That's very amazing cool, though. though. Yeah. So, and if you want to be the one that's showing the properties, how do you get involved in that? So um, just the other side of it, it's like the being the driver for Uber, you're the showing assistant for ShowAid. Um, when you go into the app and you click on the Show tab, it'll say apply, there's an application. And okay. so you just click apply, it goes through, has you watch a training video and you have to answer uh, some quiz questions um, to verify that you watched it and you learned what you're supposed to do. And if you don't get 100, you don't, you're not approved. And you can petition it um, and, and you know, essentially prove to me that you understand everything because I'm a one-man crew. Um, and so it's, it's kind of automated. And if, there's, if they don't get 100%, they're not automatically approved. Uh, and so they can't show. They try again? Uh, yes, they can try again. So any, well, let me back up. Do you have to be a licensed realtor in order to Absolutely. Lose, use the rent? Yeah, you have yeah. to be licensed. You have to have super access um, because they have to be able to unlock doors. Right, right. That's amazing. I feel like that is just such a unique time saver. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like that's what we all need in our life is, is ways to buy back time. Pretty much. You're either looking for more time or more money. <laughs> and, um, pretty much anyone you talk to is looking for more time or more, more money. I would think a new agent, that would be a really good thing for them to do, to get yeah, some experience. Yeah, a new agent can get a little experience belt. unlocking doors and yeah. a little pocket change. Yeah. And the experienced agent that needs more time. Right. And get their time back. Yeah. Get more clients. Now you work for EXP Realty, right? I do, yes. Tell us a little bit about how come you're there and about your um, brokerage. So I, I learned about EXP about four years ago uh, when I joined my prior brokerage. I was comparing the two. And quite frankly, the person that explained it to me didn't do a very good job. Um, I, they were on a lower production level than me, so I wasn't quite, I guess I wasn't really listening to them well, as well as I should have been. And they didn't explain some of the benefits that um, I now learned about. Uh, for example, it's called the Icon Agent Program. So the Icon Agent Program is only for your top producers, and they give the entire cat back in stock to the agent. I did finally learn about that you know, three years later, and I almost thought it was too good to be true. I was like, why would a company give the entire back, cat back in stock to an agent? And it, you know, I come to realize, well, they don't do that to everyone. It's very select few that make it to Icon. And um, those agents bring other agents to the company. People follow the top producers wherever they go. And they have to teach a class to get full advantage of that. So they're teaching classes as well. Um, but I did the math one day. And I took a deep dive and I studied it. And if I would have joined that company instead of when I did, 
I would literally have over a million bucks in stock just from that bonus. Um, and then my prior company got me interested in recruiting agents, which is the highest level of leverage. Every brokerage recruits agents, um, and that is the definition of broker leverage. You get agents to help you sell property, and you get a piece of everything they sell. So my last company introduced me to that. I ended up doing really well at it. And uh, eventually, I met an EXP agent, um, kind of right when I started recruiting, they started recruiting, and we compared notes, and we compared money. And I re literally recruited four times more agents than they did. And yet, they were making triple the amount of money I was. And their tree was growing like crazy town. And, and sure enough, you know, you look at what's going on at EXP, it's the fastest growing brokerage ever. Almost tripled agent count in the last year, went from 25,000 to 60,000 agents. It's astronomical what's going on there. So I couldn't pass up on the opportunity anymore. So you've been in the business for a while. Yeah. You've, you've kind of done a lot of different things within the, the realm, but what's, what's one thing that you wish you would have known before you got into the business? Uh, that's a good question. I, I can't really think of anything specifically that I wish I would have known. I, I, or what are some misnomers that you thought, you know, it was funny thinking back about what you said about when you purchased your first home. Yeah. And you saw this realtor get a commission of what you thought they did nothing. Right. Is that really? No. Is that oh, really, no. Yeah. It's definitely not yeah. nothing. No, it's, it's a ton of work. Um, you know, I, honestly, one thing I can think of that I wish I would have known better was how to do an open house. For the longest time, I didn't think open houses even worked. I would get an open house and I would just sit there alone the whole time. No one came in the door. And it's because I was just taking open houses that people needed someone to host an open house for, which meant they were a stale listing. There's an old home that's been on the market for a while, no one cared about it anymore. It was overpriced. And you go and you host the open house, and no one closes in the door. Um, so then eventually I got to the point where I started getting really picky about the open houses. It didn't even have to be my listing, but if I saw a fresh, hot listing that was priced right, and I hosted it open and made it look awesome, you know, instead of putting my five signs out, put like 30 signs out and big flags, and, um, you know, it, it created a different atmosphere. Right. And I started getting sellers from open houses. And everyone thought you could only get buyers. And then I realized those looky-loo neighbors, they're sellers. <laughs> and so I started focusing on the neighbors that were coming in. And, and um, so it kind of, that's just one thing I can think of that I didn't do right at the beginning. Really easy to fix. Yeah. Yeah. So is there somebody in the business that you really look up to or that you, you know, you learned a lot from? Who's, who's a mentor that you've really learned from? Um, so I like to compete. And I'm going to call out Billy, Billy Vaslo. So, um, <laughs> if you're watching Billy, if you're watching right? Billy. So um, Billy and I have had multiple competitions, whether it was on paper or not. I mean, we'd have, you know, we made a $100 bet one year and uh, just to see, you know, who would do better or whatnot. And that puts a little fire under me. And then we always share. We never really, we, we didn't, what he did did not affect my pocket and what I did did not affect his pocket. Yeah, he's one person that I felt like I could share my secrets with and he would share his secrets with me. And that's not very common in the industry. Usually you're only giving if you're getting. It's, it's really cutthroat. And so if you're, not, if you're not getting something out of it, why are you sharing? But we kind of became friends and I'd see him in the office and I'd swing by his office and see what's up. And he was really big on cold calling. And I was always pretty good at cold calling, but I didn't really particularly enjoy it. 
And so I would um, find myself up against him on listing appointments. And it's really interesting to think that uh, you'd call an expired or for sale by owner, and they'd be like, you're the 20th person to call me. And in my head, I'm thinking, that's 49,980 agents that aren't doing their job because there's 50,000 agents here. Right. And only 20 of them called you? And then only me and Billy go up and see them. <laughs> it's literally every time. Like I was like, oh, you're interviewing one other agent? Can I ask who it is? Is it Billy? I'm like, yeah, it is <laughs> oh, Billy. Billy. <laughs> oh, and, um, and so, and then when, and he was, um, you know, oftentimes he was better than I was in person. He would convince them, and his follow through was just impeccable. I, I remember one time there was one agent who was like, I really like what you have to say, but um, Billy keeps calling me, and I had to call you back. Yeah, so he, he had a better follow up, and so it kind of put a little fire under me to do better. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Darn Billy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have so enjoyed visiting with you. And it's interesting that you talked about sharing because our, our podcast is titled Spilling the LT, planning yeah. on spilling the tea. And that's really, you know, what we, what we really want to do is bring realtors some good information, useful information. And so I'm so glad that, that you were here. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people beat around the bush. They don't tell you exactly how to do something. It's like, you can, you might can do it this way. Well, and I, it sounds like you're kind of an open book and you're willing to share and, and, you know, teach others how to do better. And I think that's really commendable because a lot of times people are so fearful of, oh, if I, if I give away my secrets, they're going to do it. Just because you give away your secrets doesn't mean they're going to do it or do it like you. Yeah. No, no um, one can replicate what you do. So I think that's really commendable that, that to do what you're doing and to share and the app is just phenomenal so before i let you go we're yep. gonna play a quick little game okay this or that okay it's gonna be a rapid fire sure i don't have it memorized and all right ready yeah dog or cat dog netflix or youtube netflix phone call or text Ooh, phone call cardio or weights weights facebook or instagram instagram uh, while walking, music or podcasts? Music. Pool or beach? Pool. Football or basketball? Football. Nice car or nice home? Nice car. What's worse, laundry or dishes? Dishes. Sneakers or sandals? Sneakers. Passenger or driver? Driver. Car or truck? Car. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Ocean or mountains? Ocean. City or countryside? City. Beer or wine? Beer. <laughs> Dine-in or delivery? Dine-in. Uh, TV shows or movies? Movies. You got them all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a score. 100%. Those are good questions. Those are good. Just, a, just a little fun. Um, well, thank you all so much for being here. And for those of you... Um, that want to download the app or get the app, remind us again. ShowAid, S-H-O-W-A-I-D-E. And how do people connect with you if they want to find you? Um, I, so I was just telling Jennifer, I just got started with Instagram, trying to grow. Uh, it's my name, Joshua Marriott, J-O-S-H-U-A-M-A-R-R-I-O-T-T. -T. That's it, just at Joshua Marriott okay. on Instagram. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here, Jen. Thanks Thank for, you. Thank you. Thanks for bringing him with us and for those of you that are interested in learning more please tune in next time make sure that you like share and subscribe and uh, we look forward to spilling more tea with you
LT with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.